right. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Brett. want to welcome you all here today. Welcome all of you watching online today. So good to have you with us. If you're visiting with us today, you picked a, you picked a doozy of a message here to, to come. Um, I was thinking this week of my daughter, Sierra. She's about four years old, I think, three or four years old. She was, she was at my, my parents' house, and uh, they had a, a plumber come over to do some work at the house, and, and Sierra was, was not a shy child whatsoever, and, and so she was right there. He's doing his work, and she was standing there the whole time, and, and, the, and the entire time he was working, Sierra is, is talking to this plumber about God, about Jesus, talking about creation, talking about how Satan was an angel and fell from heaven, like she was going into everything, talking about the cross, talking about, you know, being a Christian, asking him, are you a Christian? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you love God? And uh, I tell you what, <clears throat> she was ready. She was ready to give an answer, you know. And, and that's how we need to be as, as believers. That plumber came back a, a year later and he said, I know this house. <laughs> Is that a little girl here? Because I might come back later. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. But, uh, but she was ready. And, and we started a series this week called Let's Talk About It. And this whole series is about being ready. Being ready. Talk about the important issues that are impacting our culture, impacting our kids, and, cult- and, and impacting the church. And, and we're called to be ready to share God's truth and God's love and share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. How many of you have hope in Jesus this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. So 1 Peter 3.15, for me this is the kind of the theme verse of this series. It says, but in your hearts set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives. As Lord, always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and confident assurance that is within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so that word defense, it, 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 it literally means to give an explanation or to give good reasons for. So we're called to be ready to give good reasons for our hope in Jesus to a world that desperately needs hope. Amen? And so last, last week we actually established, talking about creationism, that we have a creator. We have a creator. That is very significant in what we're going to talk about today. Today I'd like to talk about gender and sexuality. Okay? I got a, a text this week from someone in the church, and he said, nothing says, let's fill the church pews like a sermon on gender and sexuality followed by an annual business meeting. (laughs) So, I got a real kick out of that. Um, And you know what, I'll I'll be honest, um, with you. This is not my, my favorite thing to talk about. Um, 
But just doing the research on this topic, my eyes were really opened, really opened of the significance, the importance of this topic. My eyes were opened to a hurting community. And my eyes were really open to, to how this issue is really impacting the world. It's, it's really unbelievable, I'd say unprecedented. And it's an incredible time that we're living in. So it just confirmed for me that, that I'm so glad. I'm so glad that we're talking about this today. And so I'm just going to ask for your grace. Can I ask for your grace? As I talk about this, I might not say something right. Okay. I need your grace, okay? But please understand that, that everything that, that is going to be said today is, is from a heart of, of love, okay? Um, so I'm just going to begin just kind of talking about where we're at in our world here with, with this topic of, of gender and sexuality. I think more than ever before, and this is kind of my opinion probably, but in the history of mankind... We have a gender identity crisis. There is so much confusion in our world on what is male and female. Did you ever think that we would come to this place? Um, until now, or at least within the last 20 years, our culture and the world generally define what, what makes a person, male and female, by three things. I, I got them up here on the screen for you. Number one, external sexual anatomy. Uh, two, internal reproductive or organs. Three, the hormonal levels of testosterone and estrogen that, that is produces, produced by our endocrine system. Okay? That's typically how, how our world used to um, determine male and female. Today, though, in our culture and much of the world, Gender now refers to how someone identifies as a person on the inside. It's decided by how they feel about their gender, not necessarily related to their biological sex. Okay? And I would say the world generally believes that that person, um, that, that only the person themselves can determine what their identity is and what their gender is. Is. So, so today it's male, it's female, it's both, and it's neither. Okay, that, that's in our culture today. Okay, so, so in our current culture, we no longer have two genders, but from what I understand, there is no fixed number of gender identities. Okay, they, they occur on a spectrum, so actually the, the number of gender identities in our world would be infinite. Okay, and so people uh, within that spectrum, they want to be addressed by specific pronouns. How many of you are familiar with that? Maybe that's, that's come about in your workplace or family. And so the pronouns, he, she, they, them, and there's, there's actually several. And so that word transgender, it's kind of a catch-all term for the various ways people feel conflict between their biological sex and their gender identity. And the vast majority of people... Uh, that, that would be in the transgender community suffer from what is called gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria. So that is the feeling of disconnection, discomfort, and or even emotional distress 
surrounding the conflict between the gender assigned at birth and the gender one identifies as. Okay, in other words, individuals with gender dysphoria often feel as though, uh, as though the gender they are inside, their personal gender identity doesn't match the gender on the outside by their physical sexual characteristics. Okay, so, so this is an eternal struggle that is causing real pain for many people. Okay, this transgender, um, okay, and, and so whether you, whether you agree with this or not morally, this is a real issue. Okay, and so that, that's what I really want us to understand. This is a real issue. Okay, and, and so um, the transgender ideology, the agenda, it's promoted in our culture, and it's primarily targeted at children, teens, and it's mainly endorsed through government, schools, and social media. Okay, so for children, for example, they're, they're exposed to this ideology at very young ages um, through a number of ways, maybe through television. Okay, I read a report that uh, there's 70, uh, currently there's 70 children's programs featuring 259 characters that have a variety of gender identities. Okay, so shows like My Little Pony, Blue's Clues, Disney's DuckTales, DC Superhero Girls, Star Wars Resistance, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Okay, and, and, and the list goes on and on. There's also toys. They're exposed to this ideology through toys. There's, there's gender-neutral toys, gender-neutral toy aisles. How many of you played with Mr. Potato Head when you were a kid? Okay, now it's, it's just Potato Head. All right, because it's, it's gender neutral. Um, you could also, there's also dolls that have, that have male anatomy wearing female clothes. Okay, then also books that are taught in schools. In 2022, a new book came out called I, I'm Not a Girl, a Transgender Story, and its recommended age is for grade one. So if a child indicates that they feel they should be the opposite gender, there is an aggressive push. Okay, and I'm not, I'm not making a judgment on this. This is just the facts. There is an aggressive push in North America, many countries, for that child to begin transitioning immediately from one gender to another. This is primarily forced through social media and gender clinics. Okay, so, so here's an example. So there was a, a girl named... Stephanie. Uh, she was 13 years old. Uh, she was on the autistic spectrum, and uh, she told her mother that she was a transgender, even though there was no prior talk or any indication of this. Um, her mother later learned that, that, there was, uh, that she had heard a presentation on this topic at school. So um, she took her to a gender clinic to seek some counsel on what to do. And um, she was told that she must refer to her daughter with masculine pronouns, call her by a masculine name, buy a binder to press against her breasts to flatten them. He, re he recommended no therapy and no consideration of the social factors that the mother believed was affecting her thinking. She was directed to put her on puberty-blocking drugs and if she didn't comply, she, that her daughter would be at a high risk of suicide. Okay, and so that is 
that is standard counsel. Again, I'm not making judgments here. That is standard counsel at gender clinics. They would not deny that. Okay? And, and this is even happening without parental consent. So in 2019 in British Columbia, there's a 13-year-old girl named Maxine. She was encouraged by her school counselor in BC's Delta School District to identify as a boy while she was in the seventh grade. Her doctor at BC Children's Hospital decided that Maxine should be taking testosterone injections in order to develop a more masculine appearance. So Maxine's father was concerned about this permanent ramifications of cross-sex hormones, suspecting that his daughter's mental health issues might be more the cause of her gender dysphoria. He ultimately decided that it would be better for her to wait until she was older before she embarked on any irreversible course of treatment. I think that's, that's a reasonable parent. At that point, Maxine's doctor informed the father that he would begin testosterone injections on the basis of Maxine's consent alone, claiming that he has a right to do that under the BC Infants Act. The Supreme Court of British Columbia of Canada agreed with the doctor and ordered that Maxine receive testosterone injections without parental consent. The court also declared that if either of her parents referred to her using female pro, referred to her using female pronouns or addressed her by her birth name, Maxine, they would be guilty of family violence under the Family Law Act. Okay? And so, so those, are the, those are the facts, okay? So I'm, I'm not saying anything about that either way right now, but, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to help us understand where we're at with this issue, okay? And that was in, that was in 2019, that last story, okay? Now, before we get into this, you're thinking, I think we already did get into this, but before we get into this, I want us to remember 1 Peter 3.15. That's what we read at the start. So we know that God calls us to give an answer. Is that true? But how are we supposed to give that answer? Do it with gentleness and respect. I heard love. I heard grace. We want to share the truth, but it has to be done with humility and grace. We can't have truth without grace. And we can't have grace without truth. If you have one without the other, you actually have neither. Okay? God's truth includes grace. Is that true? We know that. Right? How many of you know that God's grace also includes truth? Right? Another way to say that is uh, to say grace and truth is compassion without compromise. Right? God loves us so much, but how many of you know that he never compromised the truth of our sin or our true condition? Did he? He never compromised. Right? We could just ask Jesus if he compromised. Right? If God compromised, he would never have sent his son to die. Jesus paid the price for our sin. God's wrath was poured out on Jesus on the cross because of our sin. So God loves us but he doesn't compromise. For God so loved the world, that's compassion, that he gave his only son. That's refusing to compromise. Okay? 
And so no one should love this community more than believers, but let's love them enough to tell them the truth. So yes, we're going to talk about the truth today, but we also need to remember that the transgender community is made up of real people. People who are hurting, people who are struggling to understand who they are, people that matter to God, people that are loved by God, and people that Jesus died for. So we are not here to condemn anyone today. Are you with me? But really what today is about is about offering hope to every person who struggles with who they really are. Because this is an identity issue. I wouldn't even call this a moral issue. I would call this a psychological identity issue. And how many of you know that we have all misidentified ourselves at one point or another in our lives? Have we? We have. We've all tried to find our identity in other things. Jobs, possessions, relationships. And it's only by the grace of God that we have found our true identity in Christ. Amen? And so now we need to extend that same grace to everyone else, including the transgender community. Okay, so here's where we're going today. Number one, I want to establish, first of all, what God has to say about the transgender issue, and he does have something to say about it. Okay, I want to share the hope that we all have in Jesus, including those suffering from gender dysphoria. There is hope for you today. There's hope for you today. Okay. And I want to address how parents can respond to the transgender agenda. I want to, I want to help try to give some, some answers to parents today as well. Okay, are we ready to go? Okay, I know it was a long intro, but uh, we'll, we'll get through it quicker than that, okay? So let's, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your presence here, I, I thank you for loving us. I thank you that you are such a great God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God, I, I just acknowledge that sometimes we get uncomfortable talking about truth. But you don't. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you help us to hear this with the right ears to have a right heart and and we just pray for your your voice your word your heart to come through clear today in Jesus name amen all right you go ahead and turn your bibles to genesis chapter 1 so we're going to begin with just an understanding here of what does the bible what does god's word <clears throat> say about this issue <clears throat> beginning with male and female. So Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So from, from that scripture, okay, we can see that God is our creator, right? We learned that from last week, and that he chose to create us in his image and his likeness. So right away, right away, okay, 
if, if you are created in God's image, no matter how you identify, then you are of immeasurable worth. Okay? You're to be honored. You're worthy of care and service. You have a story worth listening to. You are worth getting to know. Okay? And you must be pretty amazing if you're created in the image of an amazing God. Now, this, this creation in Genesis 1 is binary. Okay, binary means two. God made two genders, male and female. They're identified male and female biologically. How many of you know that God doesn't make mistakes? Right? And, and so there are many examples in the Bible when, when young children, toddlers, are referred to as male child and female child, again, identified biologically. So according to the Bible, gender and sexuality is not based on how we feel about it on the inside. And I'm going to address those feelings in a minute, okay? But Jesus affirms this in Matthew chapter 19 when he's talking about marriage. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they, re- they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and a mother is joined to his, uh, and a mother and mother, sorry, leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Okay, so again, according to the Bible, there are two options, two genders identified by biological sex and God decides those genders. So God decided the genders and, and we, we don't decide the genders according to the Bible. Okay, so let's understand what the Bible and God's word says about the transgender issue. So I'm gonna look at two scriptures. The first one is in Deuteronomy 22.5. It says, A woman must not put on men's clothing, and a man must not wear woman's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. Okay? I want to read 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. So that now this is a New Testament scripture. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither... The sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate by perversion, nor those who participate in homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. And so where this is addressed in this scripture is that word effeminate, effeminate. So that word effeminate, the Greek word, for that is malakoi. Malakoi literally means soft men or men trying to take on the appearance of a woman. Okay, so this is, this is men crossing gender boundaries. How many of your translation might say male prostitutes? Okay, so if your translation says that, it's because in, in the time, in those times, the reasons men would take on the appearance of a woman uh, was for prostitution. Okay, And so clearly the Bible says that this transgender concept is wrong. This is considered sin just like any of these other sins listed. Okay. Now, I know that doesn't help someone who's struggling with gender dysphoria. That doesn't help them much. Okay. Or someone who just doesn't identify with their biological sex. Okay, and I know this is very offensive 
This is a very offensive thing to say to this community because many of them believe that they were born this way. Okay? So this, this is very offensive. Okay? And, and, and so many have, held, have, have felt gender dysphoria for as long as they can remember. They felt confused and uncomfortable with who they are their whole life. Right? If that is you today, I believe you. I believe you. Your struggle is real. And I'm sorry for your struggle. But Jesus offers us an answer. Okay? It's in John chapter 3. John 3, 3. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, this is the answer to all of those people mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9, and 10. Okay? This is the answer to the LGBT, to the transgender, to the sinner, to you and to me and to the whole world. This is the answer. You must be born again. We have to be born again. Right? And not everyone's going to receive this because this is, this is truly one of the most offensive things Jesus ever said. Jesus is not saying you need to become better. He's not saying, you know, well, you just need a little more religion and sprinkle a little spirituality and you're going to be fine. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you need to be made brand new. He's saying you were not made right. You were not born right, sorry, the first time. That's what he's saying. He's not just saying that to the LGBT and the transgender. He's saying that to all of us. We were not born right the first time. He's saying the way you were born does not qualify you for heaven, but you have to be born again. This is compassion without compromise. This is the love of God in action right here. Jesus loved us enough to tell us the truth of our true condition that all of us were born into. Sin. We're born into a fallen world. We had fallen hearts and fallen minds. Our minds and hearts and, and emotions are, and our very being was corrupted by sin. So even our most innate, deepest feelings and instincts and preferences that we experience can be wrong because we weren't born the right way. We were born into sin, and so those false identities we've given ourselves are not a sign of how God has created us, but how the fall has distorted us and our thinking. This is not unique to transgender people. This is for the whole world. But when we come to Christ and choose him as Lord and Savior, we are made brand new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Romans 12, Romans 12 tells us that we can be transformed. 
progressively changed by continually renewing our mind to the Word of God. John chapter 8 says that God's Word is truth and that if we abide in the truth of God's Word in John chapter 8, it says that it has the power to make us free. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus. In Jesus, you can be free. Amen? We sang about it today. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. We can be free in Jesus. You can be free from your struggle with gender dysphoria. You can be free from your mental and emotional anguish and confusion. You can actually know and be confident and sure of who you really are. Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. When we surrender to Christ and choose to follow Jesus and surrender to his word, surrender to the truth, we're going to become the person that God created us to be. How many of you know that God thought about you long before you were ever born? That God had an idea of you, Pastor Phil, before the foundations of the earth were laid. And once you came to Christ, now you can discover who that person was supposed to be. Hallelujah. You can be the person that God created you to be. 1 Corinthians 14 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Your confusion is not from God. Your confusion is not from God. He wants you to know who you are. Jesus offers a wholeness that will bring unity to your biological sex and your inner self. Hallelujah! That is real hope for everyone who is confused and struggling with their identity. Please don't believe the lie. How many of you know Satan is a liar? I, I read a, a little bit about this, this man named Walt Heyer. Walt Heyer. Uh, he's, he's an elderly man now, and, and you could read about his, his story, and he's written some pretty awesome articles. When he was four years old, he had gender confusion. At age 42, he had surgery and lived as a female for eight years, still unhappy, and attempted suicide. So he realized that the gender transition wasn't the answer because he still wasn't whole. And so he determined to study the results and find statistics <clears throat> for other people of gender transition. <clears throat> okay, and what, here's what he discovered. 20% of people that, have, that, that transition to another gender, 20% regret it. 41% of the people that tra transition to another gender, 41% attempt suicide after the transition. 
that's, that's two out of five people attempt suicide. 50%, half of, that peop, of, of, of those people that transition um, have depression symptoms. And this absolutely blew me away. 90% have significant psychological and behavioral dysfunction occurring in mental illness. That is the world's hope. That's the world's hope. God has so much more for you. God has so much more than what the world can offer you and what the world has promised you. But you can know peace and you can know freedom in Jesus Christ. I promise you that. What a God we serve. Amen? I want to talk a little bit about our parents' response. I know that there's some parents in our congregation, in our, in our King's Corner community that are really struggling with this, that have kids that are struggling with this. And, and so I, I want to talk about, I, I want to talk to the parents for a minute. Uh, first of all, we need to pray. We need to pray for our kids. We need to pray for our kids. We need to pray for our kids. How many of you know there's power in prayer? Number two is we need to be involved and intentional in our children's lives. Okay? And please hear this. You are not obligated as a parent in any way to maintain your child's online privacy. Everybody hear that? You are not obligated to maintain your child's online privacy. Know what they are looking at online. And, and I feel like Charity and I have dropped the ball on this. I really do. And, and we've done this occasionally, not all the time. And, and we've had to take some phones away. <laughs> oh, well. Okay. Um, we need to be involved. We need to know our children's friends and the people that are influencing them. We need to know that. Number three is we need to be informed and understand the facts of gender dysphoria. There, there actually could be a number of reasons why someone might think they have gender dysphoria, okay? And I think one being, um, and, and I see this, uh, when I sub at Regina Christian School, and uh, sometimes we, we have conversations in the classroom, and I can see this that there's, there's a lot of, of peer pressure around this issue, okay? And it's not peer pressure like, like, we're, like we were used to, right? Where our friends are pressuring us to smoke and drink and listen to rock and roll and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. It's not about like when we were kids, but, but it's a different. It's different. See, <clears throat> there's so many kids that are, that are beginning to question their gender, 
right? And there's so many kids that are confused. And so what happens is, um, as, as that person's friend, I want to love them and support them, and I want to be a good friend. And so what starts to happen is now I start to actually champion the cause for them because I want to be a good friend, because I, I love them and support them. So it's, it, it's not bad intentions, but what happens is when we do that, I think when the kids do that, I think what happens is they start to, uh, they start to believe and, and, and build some, some um, wrong thinking patterns in their minds uh, with all of the things, the conversations and the things online, and, and, and they fall into that agenda or that ideology themselves. And now they're starting to question, all because they're being a good friend. Okay, so I think that happens. I think that happens. I think another thing is that happens is, um, <clears throat> is when a child um, just can't identify with the gender stereotypes that our world puts on kids, right? And so, and so, um, you know, it, it's the boy that enjoys gymnastics and figure skating instead of hockey and football, right? And so, so there's there, in our culture there's that stereotype and there's that pressure for boys to play hockey and football, if they're doing figure skating and gymnastics, there's got to be something wrong with them. They're different. Right? That's what our, that's, that's the, I'm not, I'm not saying that. That's what, our, that's what our culture puts on, on children. And so they don't actually have gender dysphoria, but they're just, they just can't relate to all these stereotypes that are put on them. Right? And, and so now they're, they're confused by that. Um... <clears throat> I think another one is, is verbal abuse. Just verbal abuse. And I'm going to say specifically this is among adolescent boys. Okay? And so I don't know about you, but when I was an adolescent boy, we were jerks to each other. And we called each other names. Okay? And we, we even did it in, in jest, though, like in fun. Okay? I'm, I'm not saying that makes it better. But, but we would call each other names that were derogatory names of gay people. I, I don't know if anyone else can relate to that. But that's what we did. With each other, mostly. But when, when a boy is consistently told that he's gay and, and a bunch of derogatory names from other boys, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. There's power in words. Right? There's a reason why God tells us we need to not let unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. Right? And so I think that that, that causes kids to have that struggle. But the truth is, only 0.5% of the population. Um, truly believes that they're transgender, actually have gender dysphoria. So here's a quote from Dr. Emma Hilton's article in the Wall Street Journal. Has anyone heard of Dr. Emma Hilton? She is a uh, developmental biologist, and she is well-written, and her works are are well-published. 
She's a university lecturer. This is what she said. She said, the large majority of gender dysphoric youths eventually outgrow their feelings of dysphoria during puberty. Affirmation therapies that insist a child's cross-sex identity should never be questioned and puberty-blocking drugs advertised as a way for children to buy time to sort out their identities only solidify feelings of dysphoria, setting them on a pathway to more invasive medical interventions and permanent infertility. This pathologizing... Yep, I said it right. This pathologizing of sex... Atypical behavior is worrying and regressive. Okay, that was in the Wall Street Journal. As a developmental biologist. <clears throat> okay, so we need to understand the facts of, of, of gender dysphoria. <clears throat> um, and, and number four, I got two more and I'm, I'm done. Number four is be in charge. Be in charge of your kids. Um, according to a report in December of 2021, there was a mother with a seven-year-old girl, uh, daughter, <clears throat> and uh, she posted, this mother posted in her social media group that um, it was called Trans People and the Allies Who Support Them. This is her, her social media group, sharing that, her, that she bought her daughter several books on transgender children saying she's not trans, we're just allies. Exactly one month later, the same mother posted in the same group that her very girly little seven-year-old is suddenly saying she wants to be a boy. And the mother doesn't think that she's a boy inside and that, um, and that she, the mother, is a tad insecure that I've done something wrong to confuse my kid. That's what she posted. The mother received hundreds of comments in response with many stating things such as, <clears throat> your son needs you to get past what your dreams of your daughter was. It doesn't matter how you think uh, he isn't a girl. Let go of your personal opinion. It's not about you. He's a boy right now. <clears throat> and that's what you ought to focus on. So the mother was told her daughter needed to go see a gender therapist, that the mother was misgendering her son, that if she didn't, her daughter... Um, would suffer from mental illness, loss of trust, and self-harm. There, there's a common trend. I, I read case study after case study and report after report, and there's a common trend, right, that, that the threat is self-harm and suicide if you don't help them in transitioning. The mother's last comments on the site was that she uh, was already discussing puberty blockers with a doctor, she was referring to her daughter by them and they, and even stated this will be a confusing and painful transition for her family. So the mother decided to ignore her parental intuition about her daughter in favor of these strangers on social media. And so again I say, be in charge. You're the parent. Okay? And, and it is ridiculous to think that a child who will often make the wrong decision about brushing their teeth can make a decision about their gender. 
That's silly. That's ridiculous. Okay? You're in charge. Not the school. Not the school counselor. Not the gender clinic. Not the social media. Not the kids' friends, etc. You be in charge of your child. And here's the last one. Number five is don't be afraid to stand up for truth. Don't be afraid to stand up for truth and what is right and the rights of those being violated. Um, uh, a few weeks ago, I was subbing at, at uh, Regina Christian School, and the girls, I was subbing the grade 7, 8 room, and the girls' uh, basketball team, the elementary girls, the grade 7, 8 girls' basketball team, they were telling me about the game that they played the, the day before, and they were saying that they had to play against a boy. Because there was a boy on another team that um, um, made a decision that he was a girl. And so the Regina Public Policy, I believe, is that that's allowed to happen. And so those girls on the elementary team, they should be able to feel safe when they play school sports. Shouldn't they? Okay, and so all of them were telling me that they felt uncomfortable. They said, we didn't want to guard that boy. We didn't want to touch him. We didn't want him to guard us. We didn't want him to touch us. And some of the girls were saying that they wanted to quit basketball if they have to play against boys. And so these are going to be some of the problems. And, and you know, we, we, we've already seen much more than that. But, but these are going to be some of the problems when we allow children to choose their own gender based on how they feel. And so we can't be afraid to stand up for truth and for what is right. You know, I was just sat down with some friends of mine um, yesterday, and we're just talking about this issue, and, and they were scared to talk about this issue. There, there's such a fear. I, I was just talking to them about the elementary girls and how they were feeling, and and they, they, they didn't uh, disagree, but they were practically whispering, we just can't, we just can't talk about this anywhere. These, these, are my fr- these friends of mine, these were non-Christians. They, they're not believers, right? So it's not even that it's, it's Christians in the church ag- against the transgender agenda, but, but th- there's many people in the world that are afraid to, to voice, right, their opinion and what they feel is right. There's, this, there's a culture of fear because when we disagree with the world and we declare truth of the word, you know, okay, you know what happens. We're deemed uh, uh, bigots, prejudice, hate speech, right? Just the absolute opposite of tolerance, right? That's intolerance. Real tolerance is when we can uh, disagree and still respect and love each other. But we can't fear the world. We have to be uh, willing to stand up <coughs> and fight for truth. And, and, and that's going to look different for all of us probably. But Matthew 10 says, Don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, 
who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And so we need to be a voice for these kids, for these girls, for women. Okay, And, and those are the three, I'd say, that are the, the ones feeling the greatest impact of this agenda. Okay, And again, we don't do that with pitchforks and torches. <laughs> right? <laughs> but we can do that with gentleness and respect and truth and grace. Okay? Amen. I, I just want to take a minute, and I just want to pray for anyone here that is just struggling with their identity. You know, and it might not even be what we're talking about, but, but just struggling with your identity, that you're just struggling with who you really are. And, and maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and there is, there's a disconnect. You have a, you, you just don't identify with, with how you were designed. And it's, it's a stress, to say the least. I, 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 I'm not in that, I can't imagine. Okay, I can't imagine. But, but I understand that it's real, and I understand that it's a struggle. And, and I want to pray for you, because I really believe that there's an answer in Jesus. I really do. And I also want to just take a moment and just pray for the parents that are, are you know, have children that are, that are um, transitioning or, or children that identify as transgender. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And I know for some of you, your heart is breaking. And God's heart breaks for you too. But there's hope. There's hope today. There's hope today in Jesus. How many of you know that with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I just, God, I just want to pray for those, those, uh, those people today that are just struggling with identity, that they're, they're not able to connect with, their, with how, you, how you designed them to be. And, and God, I, I just pray for freedom. I just pray for revelation today. I, I just pray for uh, truth to break down wrong thinking patterns, to break down strongholds. In Jesus' name, I, I just pray for, for truth to penetrate the mind and the heart. And I just declare that you are going to be the person that God created you to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And God, I just pray that as, as a church body that, that, that we're going to be a body that responds in love, that we're not going to fear and we're not going to respond in the wrong way when, when someone tells us that they're struggling, but that we're going to be ready to give an answer, that we're going to do it with gentleness and respect, that we're going to love people and have grace and share your truth that way, Lord. God, I just pray for that, that parent God, you're a parent, and 
And Jesus, you are our sympathetic high priest. So you know their heartbreak. You know what they're feeling. You know their confusion. You know their frustration. You know, you know what they need. And so God, I just pray that you give them wisdom. I pray you give them direction. I pray you give them hope today. I pray you give them courage today, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray you give them supernatural clarity and knowledge and understanding of what to say and how to say it. I pray for conversations to be open that weren't open before in Jesus' name. I pray favor for these parents from their children in Jesus' name. That you tell them, Lord, how to pray, how to fight for their kids. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I just pray that wherever uh, wherever I blew it today, Lord, that you just cover it with your grace in Jesus' name. Let us continue to hear your voice, continue to hear your heart. We love you, Lord. Pray that you bless our, our lunch, bless our food, bless our time together in the gym. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is, is our service is dismissed. And uh, if you could line up into the gym, go into the gym in the far uh, double doors at the end of the hallway, that would be great. And, uh, and our prayer team is going to be standing by here for anyone who would like prayer. Um, uh, they want to help you and agree with you and uh, lift you up today. So please come for prayer if you need prayer. And uh, the rest of us will see you at lunchtime. And uh, just want to say thank you so much uh, for being here today. And thank you so much for your grace. And uh, I'll just say this too. If I've missed the mark somewhere, please tell me. Please tell me. If, if I'm missing something, if, if there's something that I should have said or should have, please tell me. Okay, I want to be better. I want to know more. Okay, I learned a lot this last couple of weeks, and I know there's a lot more that I need to learn about this. So thank you for that. Thank you for the grace. God bless everybody. Let's go eat.